craving fried chicken? Stop by One Stop on the way to the big game. One Stop number 6, located at 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville, serves fresh fried chicken and famous taters seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Craving wings? Come try the new spicy breaded wings. Get a five-wing meal with six taters in a roll for just $7.39. Now in regular, hot, ranch, or spicy. One Stop number 6, 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. This should be played at high volume. Welcome to Out of Pocket. Here's your host, Michael Davis. Welcome to Our Pocket with Michael Davis on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, and WWDG 1470 AM as part of your TGI Friday lineup. You just got done listening to Frankly Sports Carolina, which is pretty awesome. Uh, they taken over that spot of the score, and this week we're running it back pretty much. We got Jackson Cordray back on the show. Jackson, how are you doing today? I'm good, Michael. How are you, man? Doing pretty good. And we also got our one and only John Cox here. John, what's up, man? Excited for it, man. Looking forward. Now, we were looking forward to that trade deadline last week. We were talking about maybe some teams that could make some moves. We mentioned the Bills potentially, mentioned a few wide receivers. But looking back at this trade deadline, guys, I don't know of a team who improve themselves more than the Miami Dolphins. And they had to send away a few picks, but you get Jeff Wilson to back up Raheem Mostert. You get Bradley Chubb from the Broncos. This is this Miami team looking out of this trade deadline. They they look like a force to be reckoned with. Jackson, what do you expect from Miami moving forward with these additions? With with Chubb and and the new backup for Mostert, I think, man, I love the Chubb trade. I think it's a lot, right? I think a first-round pick's quite a lot for him. Uh, but you need a – they needed a Tier 2 pass rusher, right? Like you have Tier 1s, you have Tier 2s, you have Tier 3 pass rushers. For me, Chubb is a Tier 2. He's a guy who's going to get you, you know, seven to, 7 to 10 sacks a year, and he's going to really produce for you. Now, do I think a first is too much for it? Arguably, I think it's a lot, but I'm a fan of Jeff Wilson. I think Miami's biggest issue is on the, with the run is they don't break tackles. They don't maintain, you know, they, they can't, they hit a hole and then they lose balance and they gain three yards when they should have had seven. I think data shows that they're expected to run for less amount of yards than they should. I think with an addition of Jeff Wilson, that makes a big deal. Right, that makes a huge deal going forward. You have a running back that is, for lack of a better term, just a balanced running back. You know, he's he's got a great center of gravity. He can break the tackle like you know when someone hits your foot and you're unbalanced and you drop for three yards. Well, he can maybe break that and go for seven. I think that's a big deal for the. I think that's a big deal for Miami. And we got we got to recognize Raheem Moster in Miami. He has familiarity with Mike McDaniel. He used to be in San Francisco. And then you get Jeff Wilson from San Francisco. And if I'm Wilson, this is perfect scenario going to a place where the coach knows you and you just had Christian McCaffrey traded to San Francisco. So you weren't getting a lot of touches. 49ers still have Elijah Mitchell, who's probably going to come back week 10 or 11. John, I don't know. Do you agree with me? Is this out of pocket to say Miami won this trade deadline? No, I don't think so at all. Um, you know, you get Mike McDaniels, who probably has the best running game in the NFL. Um, and then you get a get a guy in there who's really familiar with his system. And then, um, you know, I, I look at Chubb as, as, a, as a tier one pass rusher, as the guy that can go out and be your guy. Um, you know, a lot of people didn't think of, you know, Brandon Graham is like a tier one pass rusher, but Brandon Graham won the Eagles their Super Bowl in 2018. Um, 
Of Total course, home. you would be the one with the Eagles mention. I think, you know, he's also uh, an NC State alum, so we got to give him that. Um, shout out Wolfpack. But, yeah, I, I love Chubb, and I, I love what they did at the tra- trade deadline, uh, kind of pushing their chips to the middle and saying, we're not going to back down. We're going to go after it this year. We're going to get Patrick Mahomes, and we're going to get Josh Allen on the ground, and we're going to get some sacks. Because they did beat the Bills earlier in the season. This is the Bills' only loss of the season. It was in Miami. It was 100 degrees on the field. I equate a lot of that to the field conditions and the Bills just not being acclimated to the Miami heat weather. It'll probably be a different story if they meet in the playoffs come January. But that, those, that was the big winner. I feel like there was a lot of action this trade deadline. You had TJ Hawkinson to the Vikings, which made no sense trading with the Lions, trading your star tight end to the division rival, Minnesota Vikings. Uh, you had Trace Claypool to the Bears. Don't expect the Bears to make the playoffs. Uh, even even had Calvin Ridley traded, and he can't even play this season. Jackson, he's going to join you in Jacksonville, even though you're a Seahawks fan. Uh, I mean, speaking for the home team, do you think, like, why do you make that trade now? I think you make that trade now because we had just watched Trevor Lawrence in London this past week have nobody to hit. He's got a bunch of, not to use another term as a tier three wide receivers, but he's got four tier three wide receivers. He doesn't have a guy that can separate like Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley will go down. I mean, next year he'll, when he's back, he'll be one of the best route runners in the league. Again. Him on speed outs, digs, drifts. He is a freak route runner. He's a great target to have, has great hands, large catch radius. I think I think you bring him in and say, hey, Trevor, this is your guy next year. This year is a – we're going to get some solid draft picks. We're going to get some people around you. And we just traded a fourth and a fifth conditionals for a solid, solid tier one wide receiver, a guy that can you know, come in with – 1200 receiving yards and have a couple of touchdowns from Lawrence and be a separator amongst the group that they have already. So I think the Calvin Ridley trades a big deal. And to back up another point you had, Michael, the chase Claypool deal, I just didn't see it as, as a great value for the bears. John, I'm curious what your thought is because I feel like a second round pick for a wide receiver that hasn't produced since his rookie year is kind of a, a bit of a reach. Yeah, um, I like the the idea behind it, the philosophy. Um, I think if you're developing a young quarterback, the number one thing you can do for a guy like that is go out and give him a great weapon. You look at Joe Burrow with Jamar. You look at Lamar Jack. Uh, sorry, you look at Jalen Hurts with AJ Brown. Um, you look at Dak Prescott, kind of with Amari Cooper that one year. Um, you know, go and get your guy a stud that he can throw to, and hit consistently, and have a real chemistry with. Um, I don't know if Claypool is in that, that tier or even close to sniffing that tier, um, with those, you know, really good, you know, difference makers week to week. Um, but you know, I I like the idea behind it. Um, you know, the bears for better or for worse are the bears. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, but well said, well said. Yeah. I love the Ridley trade. Um, I think he's a great athlete. He's a great receiver. Um, I'm glad T-Law's finally getting some help as well. Yeah, and when we talk about receivers, I think it's been a theme on this show. We we need teams who have that number one receiver. The Packers, I felt, should have made a trade for a wide receiver because they trade away Devontae Adams. They're struggling. It, this experiment's not going well. Jackson, is there a team that, you feel like didn't make a deal that really should have this year, whether it's either stocking up picks for next year or getting that one last piece to make a run. You guys are going to call me crazy here. And this is a bit of what's the term you want to use. I'm going back to my team. I think Seattle needed one more piece at wide receiver to really emphasize and really bring out the best of Gina. Whoa, so time, time, time. You're saying DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett isn't enough? 
Uh, what I'm saying is Tyler Lockett is your gadget guy, your guy who's going to get you short routes. He's going to get he, you know, he's he's a deep down the field guy with Russ, but he is versatile. He's his route tree's really opened up with Geno. DK is limited in some facets as a wide receiver. He's not going to catch the ball over the middle of the field with a contest. What I was looking for at the trade deadline was for Seattle to go after an Elijah Moore. A Brandon not, Cooks. Not Elijah Rogers. Not Elijah Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> a Brandon Cooks, an Elijah Moore. I wanted them to go after Darren Waller. I wanted them to go after a guy that could bring this team up another level. Their offense is already one of the best in the leagues as it stands right now. But I felt like there was one piece, a small piece, not a big piece, from them from a contender to a absolute. I think Gino is that talented. I think the team around him is that talented. We just saw the three players, NFC, uh, NFC player of the month is Geno Smith. And, if, and both the rookie of the months are Kenneth Walker and Tariq Woolen. This team has so much talent. I felt like they were just a piece, a small piece away offensively with Brandon Cooks or an Elijah Moore, a guy that can really go over the middle of the field and be as those receivers are small in stature, but be a big a big catch radius, be someone out there that they can really just hit and stride and trust that that guy's going to bring the ball in. I felt like Seattle missed a little bit here. I I don't know. I don't know if we're even saying all that about Seattle, you know, two months ago about having all that talent, but we'll see. We'll see how they do this week. I believe they have the Arizona uh, Cardinals. They have the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. Because they just beat the giants. Um, That's going to be a big divisional game. And if you haven't checked it out on Facebook, Instagram, we asked some of our fans if they had anything they wanted us to discuss, wanted anything for us to ask. And Hunter Davis actually commented saying, who has benefited the most from being traded this year? Uh, thank you, Hunter, for the question. John, I, I kind of pose that to you. Who, Which player benefited the most from either being traded this year or even taking a step further, staying at home? Yeah, I think um, if you look at, you know, a guy like Chubb or a guy like Hawkinson that are in those those contract years where now, you know, a team just gave up capital to go and get that guy. It doesn't make sense for them to spend a draft pick on a on a six week rental, essentially get those guys for six games. You know, those guys, um, you know, just by virtue of being traded, um, those organizations spending that capital to bring them into their building, it does a lot for their contracts, um, you know, now you're going to go out, it's going to boost your value. It does a lot for you. Um, in terms of actual performance on the field, getting away from contracts, um, I think TJ Hawkinson um, benefits the most from being traded. Um, you know, he stays in his uh, in his division, in his conference. He's going to know the Lions. He's also got uh, an insane offense built around him with Dalvin Cook um, and Justin Jefferson. Um, you know, it just opens up everything for him as well. Um, and, you know, I was, I was a big TJ Hawkinson fan. It was a little weird to me that they moved him, especially to a division rival like the right. Vikings. Um, I think Hawkinson, I think Hawkinson probably gained the most situationally going from, you know, zero win team, obviously, to maybe the second best team in the NFC. Yeah, that, that was a shock. I, I don't know if there's ever a reason to trade with your division rival. Uh, it, it still appears that Minnesota is probably the best NFC North team with the Packers struggling. And a team I thought was going to make some more moves at the deadline were the Carolina Panthers. They don't. They lost in overtime last week to the Falcons because of the kicker. And now there's a quarterback controversy going into this week nine matchup with the Cincinnati Bengals. Who do you start? P.J. Walker, Baker Mayfield. I think they're sticking with P.J. Walker. So, I think we can finally say the so quote unquote out of pocket take of me saying that Baker Mayfield was not going to be the savior of the Panthers. I feel like that is officially settled. I feel like everyone's finally going to give me flowers for that take. Uh, Jack Jackson, do you think it is a good decision to stay with PJ Walker? Absolutely. I mean, we all saw the bomb to more last week, right? We all saw it. P.J. Walker has talent. P.J. Walker not only has talent, but he's actually like 
kind of okay. Like, I haven't watched a lot of P.J. Walker's game. I love to break down film. But after Sunday, Monday, I went back and I watched a little bit of his tape from the XFL. And, like, the kid can kind of play. Like, he's good. Like, I don't think any of us really knew that coming in. Um, I think you have to stay with him. I think you have to really trust that he may actually win you a couple of games. There was no way, there's no way that the Panthers should have been in the game last week. But he made a miracle happen. And without Moore's penalty and without a missed kick, they win that game. I don't think that's up for a debate. Two missed kicks, actually. If you recall, the overtime missed kick. So when it comes down to it, P.J. Walker really and truly won that team that game, and you've got to ride him out the rest of the season, I think. And it's such a shame. I was talking to a couple friends about it earlier today. I I think it's a real shame that Matt Corral is injured right now because this would be a perfect opportunity to put Corral in, see what he's got, see if you have anything there, kind of in a situation where Dak Prescott was in when Tony Romo went out. It's like, okay – Tony Romo's down. Let's let's not try to win so many games. Let's try to see what we have in Dak Prescott. And all of a sudden, you caught lightning in a bottle real quick. And no, PJ Walker turned out to be the best quarterback in that room, which is pretty insane. And John, we'll have to get in the break soon. But I wanted to pose this question to you because I know exactly the answer Jackson Cordray would mention. I, I was looking at the NFC West and you know, the 49ers, you know, obviously making that Christian McCaffrey trade. McCaffrey, the first person since LaDainian Thomas in 2005 to have a passing, rushing, and receiving touchdown in a single game, beating the Super Bowl champion Rams. Is that a more impressive win than the Seattle Seahawks beating a, in my opinion, an overrated 6-1 and one at the time New York Giants football team? Um, If you ask me which one is more impressive – uh, I would have to say Seahawks beating the Giants. Um, John, you did. You're, John, you John, you're my guy. My, John, you're my guy. This is back to back weeks. Michael has challenged you to like define me, and you've got my back with the power rankings and the Seahawks. John, John, this, this is why I we didn't you. cover the power rankings this week. Yeah, this is why we didn't cover that. We're not mentioning Seattle as a top five team. Giants Golly. were coming in. Um, they weren't losing themselves games. Seahawks took care of business. You know, the Rams do not look like the Rams that we are used to seeing. Um, a really weird situation over there in L.A., but, yeah, I got to tip my cap to the Seattle Seahawks, definitely. Oh, John, man, I'm, I'm going to actually text you next time when I need you to just completely irate Jackson. But we got to get into a break. When we come back, we're going to talk some basketball. Brooklyn Nets already making coaching changes. And why Miles Turner wants to go to the Los Angeles Lakers next on Out Pocket with Michael Davis. of your TGI Friday lineup. We get to talk about some basketball right now. We got basketball season winding up and a move that completely shocked us to catch people up who don't know. Steve Nash was ejected from a game after yelling at an official. And then a few days later, he is no longer the Brooklyn Nets head coach. They have an interim coach right now. And a lot of people you know, including Kevin Durant. Like, Kevin Durant was shocked by Steve Nash getting fired, especially this early in the season. And, John, I want to I ask you real quick, Steve Nash and his legacy as a coach obviously didn't go well with the Brooklyn stint. Hasn't went well since, really, he left Phoenix. You know, he had a couple years as, like, a player, sort of mentor with the Los Angeles Lakers. 
I feel like the more we see Steve Nash, his legacy continues to be tarnished for who was an amazing point guard in his heyday. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. I'll I'll always think of Steve Nash as, you know, a top five point guard of all time easily. Um, you know, he wasn't put in the best situation to succeed. Um, you know, moving forward, I think teams will probably look at this and kind of wince a little bit whenever they're handing the keys over to a star player from now on. Um, you know, we've seen all this movement towards a star-driven league. I think we might kind of see the pendulum swing back a little bit now, and that may ultimately be the legacy of Steve Nash as a coach. Um, I like Steve Nash. I think he's probably a good guy, and maybe that's why he's not a good coach, if that makes sense. You do need to have that little, like, tinginess and kind of deep down in your soul to get the best out players. I feel like Phil Jackson had that. Coach K had that with Duke for all these years. We'll we'll see how the team does here moving forward. College basketball season start next week. John Shire as the head coach. Jackson, I don't I don't believe I'm out of pocket for this. Like John said, Steve Nash wasn't really set up for success. You had Kevin Durant. You have talent. Like Brooklyn has talent. Granted, I don't really know the work ethic of Kyrie Irvin or Ben or the talent of Ben Simmons for that matter. I know John's going to disagree a little bit about that, but it's true. Like I haven't seen this from, I haven't seen them have a fire underneath their behinds to get playing. Like I feel like this kind of tarnishes Steve Nash's legacy. Jackson. I agree. I think it tarnishes, tarnishes it just a bit. I mean, we're looking at a two, a two time MVP really and truly shouldn't have won MVP. Shaq should have won both of them at the end of the day. But we're looking at a guy who is going to go down as a top top five, top seven point guard of all time. Top and five, top seven? Point guard, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think you, you win two MVPs. I mean, you got to go down there. I mean, if you're thinking top three, I mean, you're talking Magic. Uh, you're talking Steph. Oscar Robinson. I mean, he's not top four. John Stockton. John Stockton, that's four. I mean, we can go down the list here, but will it tarnish his legacy? Will it it tarnish his legacy? I think so. You can't come back as a coach and do nothing with that roster, with that group of talent. You've got to be a leader in that situation. If you're going to be given Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, at a time James Harden, at a t- Kyrie Irving, you're going to be given these players. Your job is to make it work. Put fit, make the personalities all work together. And I don't believe Steve Nash did that, and that's why they're at where the. That's where I, that's why he's in Cancun on vacation now. He's not. He's not coaching. He's done. So I think it does tarnish tarnish his his career at the end of the day. And. Mind you, like, I don't know if he can get a, another coaching job just just for the sole fact of you have Kevin Durant and you have Kyrie Irving. You, you just, you're just not going to get so much from, like, a team who you're trying to rebuild and you hope that Steve Nash could allow you to grow some players and develop players. I don't know if he gets hired from another team. Now, the the mind-blowing thing about this is, you know, if you've been listening the last few weeks, we've been trying to get a handle on Victor Wimbenyama's name, and we've gotten better and better. I feel like I just got it. Now we have a new name. We have the suspended Boston Celtics head coach, Ime Udoka. Ime Udoka? We'll, we'll go with it. You know, Udoka... He is suspended by the team and not the league. And there's there's some works in Brooklyn trying to get Udoka. The president or GM like shut that down uh, immediately, probably because of contract tampering. But jo- I, I don't know how you could swing this where, you know, do the Celtics officially move on from Udoka? I, I figure when he got suspended by the team, there was no bringing him back anyways 
John, even after reaching the NBA Finals last year, do you think it's a good idea to let Udoka leave, maybe trade him, work that out with Brooklyn? Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, that situation is just so, you know, we're definitely not getting the full picture, so it feels weird to kind of speculate on whatever it is. But if both sides can kind of mutually agree to a, a breakup um, that makes sense, you know, um, then, hey, let's not keep this guy out of the league for another year, you know, especially at a time, you know, let's let's let this, you know, young, very good head coach who produces good basketball and is good for the NBA um, as a product producing good basketball. Um, let's not limit him and, and put him on the bench or leave him on the bench for a year. Let's let's move him aside and put him somewhere else. Um, you know, when you talk about what Steve Nash did with that roster, you know, it's a little funny because Kyrie, Katie and Harden played like 12 games together. Kyrie played maybe like 30 games as a net. Um, and they sold the farm to get Harden there. Um, I think it's a little unfair to Nash um, to pile all those things on top of him when, you know, like the third most talented guy on that team is like Patty Mills. You know what I mean? Hey, don't don't disrespect Patty Mills like that. After all the service he did as a San Antonio Spur, come on, man. Uh, but Jackson, you know, with, with Udoka maybe leaving Boston, they have Joe Missoula as their interim coach. Boston is four and three right now. They'll play Chicago tonight on ESPN. Like, do they feel comfortable enough to move forward with Missoula as their head coach? I think you have to, right? I think in I think in two weeks we'll be talking about a different team, right? We'll be talking about a team that may be 12 and 6. I mean, we really got to think of it long term. I don't like to judge NBA teams too much, unlike the Cavs right now, who are six and oh. Shout out to I knew you, I knew you I don't like to judge up. teams. I don't like to judge teams off of the first couple of weeks in the NBA. For example, the Warriors are three and five right now. I think we kind of have to halt the brakes. You know, they're gonna they're gonna come back. They're gonna be a top seed in the NBA. They're gonna be the top seed in the West in just a couple of weeks. I like to break it down a little bit, unless they're the Cavs and they're six and zero. And Jackson was right. Well, they're six and one, but nonetheless, very impressive. They did beat Boston the other night, and I. I, I knew that Cavaliers comment was coming. Jackson, I don't know how you do it. I, I was texting you the other day. I'm like, Cavs are doing great. Gino's doing better than Russell Wilson. And those are your two biggest out-of-pocket takes. I, I just don't get – I don't get it, man. I know sports, man. I know sports. Down to football, when it comes down to schematics, I've watched so much Gino. I knew he was going to be great. I knew he was going to be great. And look at us now. Player of the month, Geno Smith. Potential MVP candidate. G- Gino okay. Smith. Okay. <laughs> I, I, not John was that out of pocket. Sure. Back me he's up. Gonna, back me up this time. He's going to be a pro bowler for sure. We can't doubt that. We John, back me that. up this time, please. <laughs> he's not. He's not playing better, and he's not ahead of Jalen Hurts in the MVP conversation. That's all I got. Jalen Hurts. Whoa! Oh, what are we talking about? Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has like six touchdowns on the season. Pat six passing touchdowns on the season. Eight <laughs> eight passing touchdowns on the season. Oh. Excuse me. I, whatever he's got, it's nowhere near what Gino's doing. Come eight on now. This is even close. Eight and oh. Have uh, you looked at Seattle's roster? It's nowhere near what the Eagles is. Come on now. Hey, didn't you just say Seattle had a lot of talent? But we'll, we'll, not as I want, okay? Not as much. We're getting there. We got young talent. We got young talent. Speaking of not as much talent as he wants, Le GM. LeBron James is at it again. And Miles Turner went on public record and basically was like, I know why I can provide for a team. If I'm the Lakers, I'm trading for me. And I mean, Miles Turner wants to be a Laker. And and the Lakers are much like the Cowboys in the sense of the brand. If you want to make money, if you want to improve your value, you say, oh, I want to play for the Cowboys. I want to play for the Lakers. We see draft prospects do that all the time. I want to play for the Knicks. It's just for brand purposes. But could the Lakers – I don't know what 
Jackson, I don't know what you would trade for to get Miles Turner to the Lakers. I don't know what's an adequate amount. And if he even helps this team move forward with LeBron and AD. I think, Michael, I think it's it's a it's a tough situation for the Lakers because they don't have the assets to to trade for a haul for Miles Miles Turner. Now Miles Turner isn't a haul that you're gonna have to give, but he's not playing. He's request he's essentially requesting a trade to the Lakers. I think you give a protected first in a couple of years, maybe a couple of seconds, throw in, you know, Matt Ryan, the shooter off the bench. I mean, you throw in a couple of guys that, you know, play in the NFL essentially for the Lakers right now, and you make the deal, you make the deal done. I think, I think you just you go you find a way to go get him. He's gonna stretch the floor. 80s, you know, 80s having problems shooting right now. You need another center, you need another guy to stretch it, right? Miles Turner is a above average center, like three point shooting center. He's a stretch five. He has a career three point percentage of 35%. You need that as the Lakers. You need to space the floor. And if you want him to come off the bench, have 80 still play the five, him come off the bench, that gives you a one two punch with the new Russell Westbrook, who's been balling out on the bench. That gives you a one two punch for sure. I mean, if you tell me three, four, or five years ago we have Russell Wellsbrook and Miles Turner coming off the bench for me, I like it. I love it as a head coach because it looks like you have a good enough starting five. But I don't know. I I just I feel like, especially with Miles Turner went to the Lakers, he's so like he's he's getting to the point where he's kind of egotistical in a way, kind of like Russell Westbrook. I feel like they butt heads. Uh, John, am I out of pocket in saying that? Would would the Lakers be better off not trading for Miles Turner? Or, I don't know, do you even throw Russell Westbrook in a trade if Indiana even wants Westbrook? Um, it would be great for the Lakers if they could move off of that contract. Um, he's like a top three paid player in the NBA right now, um, which is just an insane statistic. Um, but, you know, he is doing well off the bench. He, I think you kind of got to see – what happens and i think when teams kind of decide you know two months from now that yeah we're, we're going to get that victor guy we're going to start signing g league players and tanking every single game um then you go out and see what those pieces can get you in return um don't make that trade yet but you know i i wouldn't hate the addition of a guy like miles turner um if you look at that lakers roster from 2020 that ended up winning the whole thing they had guys that could play at the five with AD out there on the floor as well. You know, they had, um, they had Dwight, um, they had JaVale McGee, um, but they also had a bunch of, you know, role player three and D guys, Alex Caruso, um, Kyle Kuzma, those kind of guys. And they're just, they're so thin right now. There's just such a lack of, you know, everything, you know, it just, it just falls off after AD and, and that's a really hard problem to fix. And it's weird because we, we haven't had a lot of those LeBron teams since he really started to have a lot more say in the front office. There's always the running joke that he's the general manager and he constructs team which he wants, which I, I believe he kind of does. It, it it feels like the Lakers, as the roster is constructed right now, I mean, we can talk about slow starts this season, you know, this, that, or whatever. We know the Warriors are going to pick it up. We know that the Heat are going to pick it up. We we figure that the Mavs are going to pick it up. But at the end of the day, you know, it it just doesn't it just doesn't correlate. It doesn't correlate to win championships. And I don't even know if you can count a bubble championship. For the Lakers. Okay. Wow. Whoa. Doesn't I mean, correlate I mean, to championships. His name's LeBron James. LeBron James is a champion. He will make this Laker team good again. Okay. He will do it. That is what LeBron will do. Okay. Just trust that. Hey, LeBron's going to figure it out. The GM will figure it out. And who knows? If he can't, send him back to Cleveland, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go back home. Oh gosh, not this again. Uh dude, you you do not need to talk about Geno Smith or Cleveland in general. But hey, we're getting Victor Wimbenyama's name down. Who knows where he'll 
where he'll go. Uh, but Jackson, John, thank you so much for joining me this this segment. And when we come back on air, we are going to have Jason C-Tech return to our pocket with Michael Davis. We're going to talk some WWE. We have Crown Jewel this weekend. And there's a big development in AEW with potentially CM Punk not coming back and, you know, a few groups coming back to the show. So we'll talk about that after the break. on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and WWBG 1470 AM. Thank you so much for Jackson Cordray and John Cox for joining me for the football and basketball portion of the show. And then this is, I love football. I love basketball. But if anyone knows me, this is perhaps my favorite thing to talk about. We have professional wrestling. We get to talk about it on Sports Radio. And joining me, this week is my good friend, Jason C-Tech. Jason, how's it going, man? I am doing good. Got, got um, a belly I, full of chicken? Yep, came back. Belly full of chicken. Uh, it's always a good day when you can order a half chicken and then like five chicken wings on top of it. So um, the name, the you know, he who sleeps the most hours wins, and I am uh, well on my way to the crown. So I'm going <laughs> to... Uh, sleep very good tonight, full of sides and greasy chicken. Uh, but I'm going to sleep even better uh, when, um, hopefully on, on Friday night after some of the matches that we saw set up So, uh, w- with regard to yes. AEW. So uh, you pick where we want to start, um, and we'll talk. Yeah, let, let's get into AEW because, I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and say Shibata versus Orange Cassidy on Friday night's Rampage. And my big gripe for weeks and weeks is Rampage feels dull. It feels like just a throwaway show. You put a match or two here. They're squashes. And now you put a guy, the caliber Shibata, who doesn't have that much matches left, putting him against uh, You, you can argue title. he shouldn't have any more matches, period. But, um, yeah, I mean, he... Uh, I, I... There's... There's no one on their wrestling bingo card who had Katsuyori Shibata versus Orange Cassidy. No one. Like that if if you did um like a random wrestler generator, like no one had it. And I sort of like I sort of hate that like I watched it on I, I watch on DVR. I wasn't able to watch live last night. And I like the the booking was sort of spoiled for me, which is like if you're watching late at, at that point, like you just it's it's you just have to watch for the moment after that and just enjoy the emotion of when you found out what was going to happen, because um, it is just it it's a stupid match. I mean, uh, in every possible sense of the word, like um, it, it's such a it, it's great for Rampage again because um, the show needs some sort of shot in the arm to um to to get it back there and you know and again it feels like the show really did fall off uh after cody left um that seems to be like a a marker of uh of when they had good matches and um you had hooks big build uh you know coming in there and it it kind of died because so because he got he got really big just from rampage i mean when i was I was at a ramp like a, a dynamite rampage taping in um in, in December of twenty twenty one, uh which is crazy. It's almost a year ago. Uh, and I'm I'm telling you like Hook's pop was like top 
five of like both shows on the night. I mean, it was the crowd was like hungry for him. So um, hopefully Rampage can can build some momentum back. But like, it's just wild uh, because um, you know Shibata basically New Japan uh, really won't do anything else with him. Uh, and, and for good reason, like he nearly died, uh, from a, um, from a head injury in his match with Okada all those years ago. Um, and then like came he's back a, he's and he's a walking miracle is what he is. Uh, I don't know if it's, it's half walking miracle and like the other half, like walking time bomb. Like, I, I think, um, if he, if he's not careful, like it could, it could be really bad. Um, and, and I think one of the reasons why New Japan has not let him back in, I didn't watch his original like exhibition match, um, whenever time that was ago, but it was supposed to be sort of like a non bumping thing. And it's my understanding he sort of, you know, took it on himself to, to push that envelope. And they said, we're just not going to. We're not going to be a liability like that, but apparently, uh, in AEW, if you have previous head injuries, uh, have we got a promotion for you? Um, <laughs> got Brian Nails. Uh, yeah, between Dragon and uh, Soraya, and now uh, Shibata. And I love Shibata is like one of those guys too, like just like uh, Minoru Suzuki, where like just the absolute toughest warrior snap your bones in any number of ways and then has the most gentle like pop punk baby face entrance music Mm -hmm. um it's 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 very uh video game hero-esque but i i i love i love this match uh i i love the match with orange cassidy and and it's one of those ones where um some like this it's sort of like the opposite. Like like Brian Danielson says, one of his favorite people to ever wrestle is Randy Orton, which is crazy to some people to hear, but it's it's sort of one of those things of he knows how to get good matches out of people. Like for you know you're not well unless you're uh, wrestling Bray Wyatt on a okay. bug match at, okay. at WrestleMania. Okay, but um, don't don't trash Bray Wyatt. <laughs> Come well, on, give man. me something good to say. Um, <laughs> but as far as uh, but like Shabbat and Orange Cassidy, I think it just speaks to like how respected OC is in uh, in wrestling right now. That you have all these guys. I mean, um, was it uh, Alvarez and, and Meltzer said like the two people Shibata wants to work with in AEW are Brian Danielson and Orange Cassidy. I mean, that's that's high I mean, praise. But uh, like Orange Orange Cassidy is one of those guys. He's just he he makes matches better. He brings the best out of it. Um, I saw him wrestle Adam Cole at the Dynamite taping, and it was, I mean it was awesome. I mean the crowd, the crowd loves him. Um, you know, and, and the the chance run in of like Beretta and Chuck Taylor's, you know, always fantastic. You're gonna get like great comedy there. So, um, I mean, I, again, like Shibata versus Orange Cassidy for a mid card title uh, is just nuts but it's absolutely what makes pro wrestling like the best like you're just you're not gonna see you're not gonna see um there's no other sport that allows for moments like that uh where you can just see like people walking in um you know Shaq isn't gonna come off the tnt booth and just like suit up all of a sudden and like and drop a a double double um but in wrestling, it can, and uh, he was not the only return uh, on Dynamite yes. that night. Um, I, which, which I want, I want to dive into that because, I mean, we're we're not getting CM Punk's return. I feel like Colt Cabana's return on Dynamite pretty much sealed that. We're getting vignettes it, of the elite not coming only, back. It not only sealed that CM Punk isn't coming back, and at this point, I think. It's a it's a har har it, it's, it's a dumb. pipe dream uh to think that he is. I see what you um, did there. I thank you. Um it, but it basically what this says to me is that um uh Colt Cabana was absolutely kept off of television uh because of all the reasons suspected. Um it's it's 
the timing is just too coincidental for those things to not be uh, related. Um, I sort of suspected that there was going to be some sort of like surprise shenanigans afoot with like the Jericho versus a former ROH champion. And, um, you know, while that is the gimmick, this was the first time they hadn't like promoted or like set up who it was going to be. But man, it was you, a letdown. It was a letdown. Like, be honest. They I don't even think the, ma- the match wasn't ROH world champion. The match like wasn't supposed to be like this blow. I think I think the statement was and and a hundred percent. I think Jericho supported it a hundred percent was um, this is like not only are we going to bring Colt back, we're going to put him in a marquee match on the show and that's going to be the you know that that's your 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 that's the proverbial middle finger to see him yeah i mean that's what it was and um it's my understanding that jericho had been wanting to send that message for uh quite some time so uh as as reflected in the contract negotiations uh, of John Moxley and Chris Jericho with the way that they've been signed on and, and given expanded roles within the company, um, which sort of has me wondering, you know, I think we are going to see Kenny and the Bucks again uh, at they, some they point. Alluding into it. But it, uh, it certainly seems like uh, paying John and Jericho more, uh, maybe they freed up some money in the executive vice president salary department. Um you know, if 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 I'm Tony Khan, um, I can't have my EVPs getting in fights with television characters backstage. Um, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, you, you might sell a lot of merch, but at the end of the day, we're talking about Mickey Mouse fighting Chip and Dale uh, behind the Magic Castle at Disneyland. Like it, it's just they're they're they are television characters, um, and so that's. I don't think you can have egos get in the way like that, but it's awesome. Like that, that I think the company's going to be better. It's just a very long, long game for it. Um, and, and again, and speaking of the game, a long game, I feel like that's a perfect segue to WWE this weekend. We have Crown Jewel tomorrow afternoon, and Roman Reigns is defending the Universal Title against Logan Paul. You and I pretty much both feel like this is exactly. What needs to be, it needs to be Roman Reigns faces Logan Paul in four minutes and squashes him. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a match to make. It's it's the most crown jewel match they've ever booked, is like my opinion on it. Um I I try to leave I try to like let wrestling be as escapist as possible from everything else. I cannot bring myself to watch these Saudi Arabia shows. Like it's, that's where I'm just like, I, it just feels fishy. Like it's, it's so blatantly obvious, uh, what these shows are. Um, it's blood. And so, yeah. I mean, but it, it's, it's not even that it's just, it's just, um, it, 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 you know, good for, good for the company for making money. And, and because I mean, they're, they're, making a ton of money off these shows they they have continued to um uh, but it's just i just i don't have any interest they don't book compelling matches that like matter beyond just the spectacle of it um and but there, there's there's a couple matches i would say i mean i think the oc versus judgment day i feel like, be, like that could set up something that'll be good i think series. i think roman versus um is it's jake right it's logan paul Okay. Yeah. Okay. The, the <laughs> right, blonde exactly. one. The blonde one with the bad haircut and tattoos. Um, <laughs> Which one? As far, but like, I feel like that will probably be a, a really competent, like, probably very good match. Really? Um, I mean, Roman gets good match. Roman gets good matches out of people. Um, he he doesn't injure guys in the ring. Uh, he's a real, you know safe worker i mean he's in the position that he's in for a lot of reasons and he's been protected like that um and you, you know paul me, i think sort of you, paid his dues i mean he looked great in that Miz match um which so, Miz is a Miz is awesome like he is class act right there but you even told me years ago you're like name me a bad roman reigns match and you can't yeah there there, there are you may not have like wanted him 
in that spot. And, and, you know, I, I would still argue that even though the Seth Rollins cash in is just phenomenal television, um, it would have been way better had Roman just won. Uh, but, uh, there, there, there are no bad Roman reign matches with the exception of the undertaker main event. Uh, I think that was a bad match that had nothing to do with Roman reigns. Um, just, just purely undertaker's body gave up. Yeah. But, um, so this will be great. This isn't even the most like, but the Paul match isn't even the most interesting thing that happened to Roman reigns in the last week. It's how phenomenal Sami Zayn was yes. in making everybody break character. Um, oh. I, I mean, and not just break character, like Jimmy Fallon chewing on drumsticks in the back in the background of the "Don't Fear the Reaper" cowbell skit. I mean, those uh, the Usos and Roman, like that segment was twice as long because they had to get their composure back and try to find a way. Like, how do I work this? Like the smile in because he. Sami Zayn is doing some of the best comedy work in wrestling. Um, and I don't know, like, I love it. Um, I mean, he's obviously a much more talented wrestler than kind of what we've been seeing, but um, it, saying that Jay just hasn't been very oozy is like, that's the, the writing that we have to get back to uh, that, that really can make uh, Raw great. Well, or any of any of WWE shows, great. Um, but Crown Jewel that was a golden segment right there. It was awesome. Like, I mean, it's 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 one of those like if you look at like the Wrestling Observer Awards, like that's one of those like non wrestling spot of the year candidates, in my opinion. Is because it's not. It wasn't just the comedy. It was. It was. He he comp- he got Roman Reigns like the Tribal Chief like was just a dude laughing for about two solid seconds, and it was fantastic it was over the word oozy and yeah I, I feel like that's the perfect way to describe a tgaf friday lineup on wwbg 1470 am on tobacco road sports radio this has been out of pocket with michael davis jason we gotta get out of here thank you so much maybe you maybe you will get to watch the uh saudi show but uh, uh not if- unless somebody decides to grace me with a with a peacock login uh, <laughs> I'm, we, I'm- we we could we could find ways, but uh, thank you so much for Jason. Thanks you so much for Jackson and John. We got the Triple J lineup on. We didn't Al even Fox talk Fox about Fox. Double J coming back either. Does that draw money in 2022? Not sure. No, but, <laughs> no I, uh, I'm still weirded out by it, but okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to talk about that maybe off air, but thank you so much for tuning in. Stay tuned for franchise players at the top of the hour, and everybody enjoy your weekend.